How's everybody doing? My name is Christian Wagner, and I'm the Militant Thomist. So we're having another live stream here. As the title suggests, I am even sicker than I was yesterday. I don't know what happened. I was feeling better yesterday, and then all of a sudden, now I feel worse. So I have sparkling water, my coffee, some white Cheez-Its, and I'm about to light my candle, and we're going to have another Q&A. So drop them in the in the Q&A chat, and I will answer them. Oh, man, that's burning my fingers. Okay. One of them's lit. And the second one is going to be lit. And this Q&A is also going to be lit. So, okay. I figured we might as well start since I did. I was sleeping with at 3 o'clock. Start with the Regina Chaley. Let's get them on. <clears throat> Queen of heaven, be joyful. Alleluia. Because he whom so meetly thou bearest, alleluia, hath risen as he promised, alleluia. Pray for us to the Father, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia. For the Lord is risen indeed, alleluia. Let us pray. O God, who by the resurrection of thy Son, Jesus Christ, didst vouchsafe to give gladness unto the world, grant we beseech thee that we, being ever holpen by the Virgin Mary, his mother, may attain to the joys of everlasting life, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay, so we are now ready for the Q&A, so questions can now stream in. Mr. Leon, hello, Christian. You are a king based. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It was like a week and a half ago. I'm going to tell the story while I wait for a second real quick. It was like a week and a half ago. And I began to wake up with a sore throat. And it happened most days and I was only kind of feeling sick in the morning. And then Easter Sunday happened. And the chrism of confirmation hit my head. And then all of a sudden, just full on sick. And I'm supposed to have work tomorrow night. So we'll see if that works out. I'm not sure it will. But uh, I sound, kind of sound uh, very bass right now. I sound absolute Giga Chad low voice. I could uh, I could chant the Eastern liturgy like like an absolute boss right now with this sickness. So Garfield, are there any New Testament textual critics that you recommend on that topic? What are your thoughts on the modern critical text? Um, textual critics I recommend. I never got that deep into the lore of, of textual criticism. I did take a class and where I probably have it. Um, no, I don't see it, but uh, I bought my NA28. No, I probably sold my NA28 because I wasn't really doing much textual criticism. I just got it on uh, Verboom. But um, <coughs> yeah, basically I took a class on textual criticism. Um, the NA28 was really helpful with uh, seeing all the variants. I mean, it, it takes 
a bit of practice to be able to read the variants and to find out. It's kind of cool. It'll show you uh, like where the Vulgate, the Church Fathers, and then different um, general texts. But most of the time, we we know which ones are uh, the 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 earliest. But the second question is very important on that topic. What are your thoughts on the modern critical text? Um, so I think that while it's surely a it's surely a helpful discipline um, in some areas, that often it is naturalist. It forgets that the Holy Spirit, and therefore um, any major defections when it comes to faith and morals aren't going to happen in the text in which, which exists in all ages of the church. So um, I, I think the obsession with textual criticism as the be-all, end-all has, uh, has flaws um, pneumatologically and um, broadly speaking, theologically, um, ecclesiologically. I, I don't know exactly where you'd put that locus, but there there's some problems with it, um, but it surely could be useful, um, and I use it myself. So thoughts on the chantry system? I don't have much. Sorry, Sean. How are you going with your sickness? Yeah, it's getting even worse, so uh, we'll, we'll see whether I can go to work tomorrow night. I hope I can. I'm not the guy to usually call out of work. Thoughts on the Holy Roman Empire, the German one. Um, I think the Holy Roman Empire from <coughs> from a Catholic point of view was a bit of a disaster. Um, it you have basically throughout the Middle Ages, you have the various kings of Europe um, fighting with the Pope. And usually, and I would say almost every single time, the Pope was the one who surely was correct. And oh, there's my tissues. So I'm going to blow my nose real quick. Okay. Um, high taste. I'm doing okay. Did you believe that mysticism was BS when you were Anglican? Um, I I would say that most of my life I would say yes. That I thought it was kind of just a bunch of weird medieval stuff, and that that was because of a a weird sort of anthropology that I had as a Protestant when it came to the way in which we relate to God. Because you see, I mean, you see it um, throughout most of the praxis, and uh, and obviously not in the theology. You had Lutheran, um, you had Puritan mysticism, and you had um, some kind of native uh, Church of England mysticism and such. But when it came to the praxis of being reformational, um, it doesn't lend itself to to mysticism. So from that, I would I would have exalted the 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 intellectual approbation of the word as being supreme, rather than any sort of um, 
myst- mystical uh, experiences with God, which which was very damaging to me. So that's why, um, as, as a Catholic, I've tried to focus on that aspect of the of the Christian life a lot more um, that, than I did before, which is why I took as my confirmation Saint Saint John of the Cross. Unpopular opinion, but Spain is based. I'd say it it was based. Um, I'm not I'm not sure about it still being based because it's kind of like France. France was super based too, and then the 18th century happened, and then it took on so much cringe. It's so sad, very sad. It it definitely fell from its its glory. Pure copium. I love the I love the new name Copo. Are you still a Croatian nationalist? Of course, of course. Croatia is the best country ever. I I love uh, Croatian war music. It's based. What conspiracy theories do I believe in? I think the election was rigged 100% if that counts as a conspiracy theory um, yeah most of it's just like how terrible the US government is usually nothing nothing too wild i mean would you be surprised the amount of the amount of actual conspiracies that happened with the us government is massive it's just absolutely massive so like publicly released documents with like mk ultra and stuff like that like i i would not be surprised if the us government currently had multiple just dozens of conspiracies going on right now and uh, some that we haven't even discussed or discovered. Are you Anglo? No, no, I'm American. But uh, I, I, because uh, you know how you'll get the, the crowd of Anglicans who who every time you say Catholic as as short change for um, for the Roman Catholic Church, they'll say actually like asterisk papist, like you're you're not the Catholics, like we're more Catholic than you, like rah, rah, rah. like just not realizing how language works. <coughs> um, I I like to respond to them that I am the true Anglican. I I am truly represent the English Church and the patrimony of English Catholicism. So I am the true Anglicans, and the Church of England are false Anglicans. So what would um, what would that be? Maybe every time they call themselves Anglicans, I'll just do like asterisk, like Henrikians. Henrikians? What, what, would that, what would that be? Could somebody help me out with that? I'm not sure what, what followers of Henry would be. 
Republicans. <laughs> I know they're so cringe. Like boomer conservatism, which is basically just like washed up classical liberalism and not actual conservatism in, in any meaningful sense. It's just so it's terrible. I hate it. I despise it. At its best, Spain was pure Trinitine Catholicism. There's actually something for that when it comes to the post-Trent era, because, I mean, they had Salamanca, so they had Suarez, they had Molina, they had Banez, they had St. John of the Cross. They had all of, like, the school of Salamanca was absolutely the best when it comes to um, 16th and 17th century um, Thomistic thought. So there is something to that when it comes to Spain's theological heritage that was much better than the than the rest of the church at the time. It's a particular anniversary today with a U.S. government massacre. Is it? Is it now? I can't think of which one it would have been. What are your thoughts about the God is a Serb? Ancient Jews spoke Serbian. Serbs are the real native people from England to Persia theories. Do those exist? Please tell me that those exist. Please. Please. I, I, I want them to exist. The fact that people think that. Christian is obviously a Macedonoid. I'm not familiar with that word. I'm going to have to Google it right now. Macedonoid. It just keeps coming up for Macedonia. My like... Donoid. I, I spelled that right, wrong. Of course I did. I'm, t I'm terrible at spelling. It's the worst. Nope. Meet the Macedonoids, the first white people on Earth. What? Is that a... Okay, I'm going to share my screen with you guys to try to understand what Copo is talking about. There's an article right here, and apparently it's like something between the the Serbs and the, the Croatians. A few weeks ago, a few Serbian media outlets took an April 2012 article from the clever satirical Croatian news portal, Newsbar, gave it the absurd headline, Zagreb in a picnic, scientifically proven that Croats are descendants of Serbs. And... <laughs> and republished it in its entirety as fact. Then someone translated the article into English, and it spread to some pro-Serbian blogs in the United States. Discussion continues to inspire heated debate on obscure forums across the Internet. You know what, Copo? I'm not surprised that you, that you, uh, you know this. 
But of course, Serbia isn't the only country in the region where you can find people who take fringe pseudoscientific claims to ancient origins seriously. Macedonia, for instance, is fertile ground for some ideas so odd they're actually beyond satire. The World Macedonian Congress is an ultra-nationalist NGO. So insane. It's basically the Scientology of nationalism based. The group describes itself as the World Parliament of Macedonians. Footage from one WMC party congress reveals an atmosphere similar to that of a UFO-worshipping doomsday cult based. According to the World Macedonian Congress, the following is true. The people of Macedonia are the oldest nation on earth and belong to a special race called the Macedonoids. Be, uh, besides the Macedonoids, there are only two other racial groups in existence, the Mongoloids and the, I'm not going to say that word because you boys not getting canceled. Macedonoids are the true progenitors of the white race, meaning that all white people on earth descend from F-Y-R-O-M. Greeks have been engaged in a protracted genocide against the Macedonoid people, which continues to this day. Every time a person with a vaguely Macedonian-sounding name dies of natural causes in Greece, the group's leader, Todor Petrov, labels it a call to war. Oh, and Bulgarians don't exist. Based. <laughs> and just when he thought that Balkan definitions of war-related crimes have been stretched to the breaking point, Mr. Petrov declares that any discussion... Enjoying Microsoft Word, get out of here. Any discussion of the name dispute between Macedonia and Greece is a crime against humanity. If Mr. Petrov ruled the world, a lot of well-meaning Eurocrats would be rotting away in hog playing table tennis with Vojislav Seslidge for all eternity. That is that is some lore right there, Copo. That is some lore. Henry Henryites, Henryists. Well, we're, we need to figure out a common name to label the, the so-called Anglicans. I like the Henryists. I, I think I think I'm going to start using the Henryists. Or the Henryans. Tudorists. That's another good one. Have you seen the demon of R.C. Sproul after Christian Mario invoked him to attack you? I have not. Um, St. Michael is working overtime, I guess. Unironically, the truth. It's the anniversary of the conclusion of the Waco affair. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one's particularly bad. The Macedonian prayer. Oh, we need to look this up. This is not meant to be a chill stream. I promise to Q&A. Macedonian prayer. It was met with controversy with a number of commentators from the country and from abroad, depicting it as blasphemous, racist, and fascist. Kind of based. It is a nine-minute long video spot of non 
commercial nature in color with stereo sound, which contains a male voice monologue followed by another male monologue, superimposing on opening background in Eastern Orthodox Christian hymn style, as well as tonal music and some sound effects. Okay. Um, oh man, yeesh, we, we need a translation of this, Copo. I'll be, I'll be the, the first one to air an English translation of the Macedonian prayer. Hi, Elijah. I feel like it's been a while. I feel like I haven't seen you here in a while. Not gonna lie, black people also claim kingship in every adventure of the Sabbath ironically. Oh, I need to blow my nose again. Yes. Yes, they do. And it's so cringe. My dad, um, he's He's a uh, Gen Xer in his 50s. And my dad, he he's recently ran into like some of the like black nationalist content on Facebook. It's begun popping up in his feed. And he is he is not I, I always see him comment on there and he is not happy. And he, he thinks it's very stupid. Base dad. Was Alexander the Great Serbian based? Was Henry VIII Serbian? Possibly. Cranmerites. That's that's a good one. I was here yesterday. Ah. Well, I have sick brain right now, so sorry. I feel like, I feel like it's Copo I haven't seen in a while. Have you talked to your trans Anglican priestess since he left? I did not have. I was a lucky one. I actually had a pretty conservative priest when I was Anglican. I mean, he was a bit on the evangelical side, but it's weird because he would he would uh, oscillate between being a like John MacArthur type evangelical to being like John Henry Newman type Anglo Catholic, and it was it was very weird. It's only something that exists in Anglicanism. Okay, why should we care for St. John of the Cross, and how can he help us to love God more? <coughs> so, to the first part, first part of the question, um, he is the the patron saint of Spanish poetry. So, if that if that helps out any, he has written some beautiful poetry. Um, then he, he's also, well, his writings come in two types. First, he has the, his poetry, which is amazing. And if poetry is your thing, then, uh, then he'll be, he'll be really good with that. And then second, he's written longer treatises. So basically what St. John of the Cross does in Ascent of Mount Carmel, and then the dark night of the soul is that he, he takes the mystical life and he provides a orderly exposition of it. 
So if if you're really struggling um, as a beginner in the mystical life and you don't even know where to start, you don't really know, um, and you're not going to read like volumes of volumes of more esoteric stuff or it doesn't really come naturally to you, then it's really helpful to have a guide that lays things out in an orderly manner. And that's what St. John of the Cross does, is he's looking to teach you about the mystical life and to describe it to you in, in plain terms. So that's also the way that he can help you help you love God more is that he he's able to be a teacher of mysticism something which is very rare is that um, most practitioners aren't really good when it comes to being able to teach how to do it they kind of just uh, write more esoteric stuff we need you to deep dive into hebrew israelite theology oh my the black hebrew israelites oh my that would be hilarious that would be absolutely hilarious i would love to do that because they're just absolutely wonky absolutely wonky then you have people like james white who tries to take seriously like their theology and to like actually treat it like you would be treating like a orderly consistent uh like theological system and it's just hilarious because it's kind of just something you have to meme on it's it's not really something that you can like the only reason i feel like is is like guys like james white and mike winger and stuff have started dealing with black hebrew israelite theology that's one of the reasons why it's becoming more popular is because I'm sure like nobody heard of this. There was just random uh, black people shouting on the, the streets of some city about how they were God's chosen people. And people were like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, whatever. And then now, like if you if you take something seriously, that's basically a meme. It starts to. It starts to become popular and people actually start to take it seriously rather than just recognizing it for what it is. Well, Copo studies mechanical constructs. Thoughts on Billy Graham? Um, I go back and forth. He he is such a confusing figure because for most of his life, he's like this sort of normie Southern Baptist preacher and uh evangelist with uh with all that your average baptistic theology comes to bear um and then the end of his life he turns into like a christocentric universalist it's super weird i i'm i'm so confused by billy graham but i think he did more damage than he did help Does the Catholic Church recognize Anglican sacraments as valid? <coughs> um, well, two of the sacraments, um, baptism and matrimony, it would recognize as valid. But when it comes to the five others, uh, generally speaking, um, no, because of Apostolic Curie, uh, where Pope Leo XIII um, declared 
Anglican orders utterly null and void. So, but I mean, you're going to get special cases. Like I just met an Episcopalian priest the other day who was, he, he had been a Dominican friar and then he, he left the priesthood and became um, an Episcopal priest. So his, his sacraments would be valid, but everybody else's no. Looking back, do you think that being an Anglican layman is a little sus? I do think so. Engineering. Copa. You know, Eric is also, Eric redacted, he is also an engineer. So, you guys can talk engineering stuff. Have you watched any of this in Genesis and James White debates? I've watched, like, all of them. <laughs> I watched, like, all of James White's, like, anti-Roman Catholic debates. Um, back when I was, when I was uh, very reformed, I watched all of them. But the one debate I, back then, I, I I thought like, oh yeah, James White won all the debates and blah 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 blah. But the one debate where I did think that James White lost was his debate against Trent Horn on uh, perseverance of the saints. That <clears throat> that really resonated with me because I'd been, I've had questions about perseverance of the saints since I was like. 16 like that this this was this was this was pre like roman catholic considerations i'd always had a problem with it and that was always a difficulty for me the black hebrew israelites are pretty based not gonna lie <laughs> in in a sense they're based in a sense Thoughts on the doctor, Professor Taylor Marshall. Um, <coughs> I try to be as charitable as I can. Um, I mean, there's some there's some definite upshots. He was, he's a very smart dude, um, for sure. Great Thomist. Um, I think that's where he really thrived. But I think some of the uh, the constant um, anti-current magisterium stuff is a bit worrying, like all the infiltration stuff. Well, I think he does have, does certainly have a point. I think at least a lot of what he said has been a bit troubling. And I think it, it just comes from having a hermeneutic of suspicion uh, when, when it comes to reading things. But I mean, he's a very smart guy and I, and, and, great Thomist. And when it comes to his, a lot of his earlier work, I really appreciate it. So I think if you pivoted back to that, um, he, he would be golden. But that's not really what gets a lot of the dogs. That's not really what gets a lot of the viewers. So I mean, I get it. I get it. If I, if I just started going on here and having like hour-long trad rant hours, I'm sure my, my subscriber count would, would shoot up. This isn't the exciting stuff doing like videos on on Thomism. but hey it's my vocation what's up king welcome to holy mother church thank you gabe what do you think about suarez's view of monarchy and his criticisms of the anglicans yeah i've read through i read through uh um Simpson's translation of Suarez's defense of the church against the Anglicans. I think it was really good. I think honest, honestly, that was, that was a very influential work. 
when it came to um, kind of losing the consistency of the Anglican system because Suarez really does know Anglicanism in 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 its uh, original form. Because I mean, now that they've kind of basically lost the monarchy and the the support and and the church and state relations that it had up until the 19th century like it doesn't really resonate as much with us but if you're really into historical um classical protestantism then suarez's defense is is an absolute beast favorite woman author um Uh. Um... Favorite woman author. <sighs> um, man, that's a difficult one. Yeah, I can't think of any. Sounds like he's flirting with set of a contism or Benedict being the true pope. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, he's been pretty open about that, and I think that's a dangerous place to be. And I think somebody really needs to help him out with that. But I mean, um, I get it, because he's obviously been scandalized by some of the actions of of the current hierarchy. So, I mean, he's to be faulted to a degree for for flirting with those ideas, but a lot of the a lot of the um, fault doesn't lay on his own. Tips on how to get a faithful Christian wife. Um, I just got lucky. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it has more to do with getting yourself into a community that's going to... Because, I mean, just being in a uh, your average Novus Ordo parish and um, just 
being around your normal Protestant friends and in such, if you're not looking uh, in the right places, you're not going to find. So it takes prudence in, in that direction. John Chrysostom has some homilies on this, actually, when it comes to finding a, a faithful Christian wife. But just remember, don't settle. Um, because while it may in the moment seem hopeless, you got years and years and years, especially as a guy. You have, you have so many years um, before you really need to, before it starts to get worrying. You got it like all the way until you're 30 before it starts to get worrying. So you have a pretty large a chunk of time to to be looking but yeah just being in the right place um searching in the right place and making sure that you're not simping and, and make sure that it's it's actually a, a good faithful christian wife and always <coughs> keep your eye out for red flags let her know up front that um that you're dating solely for the purpose of marriage and that if she doesn't if she's not dating for solely the purpose of marriage and she wants to just have fun or whatever garbage they tell you nowadays, just drop it. Um, don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. Um, don't waste your energy. Um, you could be doing so many better things than going on fun dates with a, uh, less than stellar woman. Just make sure that, uh, you're not being a simp. award for the hardest question of this stream oh my was, i'm guessing that was centering the uh the the woman author question that was a very difficult question pope joan the pope joan oh my Want a want a good Christian wife be a Neanderthal? That is true. I am mostly Neanderthal. Yeah, and make sure you you have to check her like relationship with her father. I know I know that's kind of a meme now, but that's actually true. My wife has a wonderful relationship with her father, and uh, that's definitely something very important with finding a good wife because that's gonna i mean it's not impossible to, to find a good woman who has a bad relationship with her father but um generally speaking as a rule of conduct um that it, that's going to you're going to run into a lot of problems down the road that'll need to be fixed if you're willing to fix those go ahead dude but generally speaking uh you won't want to Okay. Are Protestants saved according to Catholics? I've heard some say that Protestants could only be saved as long as they don't commit a mortal sin. I mean, the same rules are going to apply to both Catholics and Protestants. So there's a few. Um, so generally the rules that um, you must have faith, which is formed by charity and not be a mortal sin. That same rule is going to apply the general uh, necessary means of the sacraments of, of baptism in particular. 
Uh, but it it's it's very, 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 very. I would say it's very, very, very difficult to to be saved as a Protestant because what the traditional catechisms um, are going to say, and this isn't me being a super uber liberal. Um, I think uh, I read Marcel Lefebvre basically say the same thing, and this is just Catholic teaching is when when you're outside of the church you need to be in invincible ignorance so ignorance which cannot be overcome so let's say your entire life um, your only experience with the catholic church has been uh really terrible laymen who have just been super unfaithful and that that's your only experience that's your only knowledge of the church or you're in the middle of an Islamic country or uh, somewhere where you're getting brainwashed like North Korea or something, <coughs> then, <coughs> sorry, then there is that, that possibility to be saved. But you either, one, need to be inviolate from mortal sin after your baptisms, which is going to be very difficult, or two, if you have mortal sins as a Protestant and don't aren't able to or don't go to to confession as you ought, which would require joining the Catholic Church, then you would need an act of perfect contrition. So a perfect, basically in, in Protestant language, a perfect act of repentance and love of God. So that's in, in broad strokes, kind of um, the 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 yes and no of that question whether Protestants can be saved, but obviously. Um, I would say that it's extremely difficult and a lot of uh, voices today are going to obscure that truth of the difficulty for those outside of the church to be saved, which is one of the reasons um, I, I'd say it's one of the reasons that it took me so long to, to come to the church is because I didn't really see the Catholic church for what it was that um I, I thought basically like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine as, as a Protestant, that there's there's nothing to worry about. The church teaches that I'm basically going to be saved and be, because I profess the faith of Christ. But no, not really. Um, it is it is extremely difficult. And I need to blow my nose. Okay, Sean. In light of Vatican II, it seems easy, slightly easier for a non-Catholic to be saved, in my opinion. But a reasonable interpretation is that it's quite challenging to go to heaven. Yeah, you have to read Vatican II in the light of what comes before. And if you and if you really uh, do read, for example, the the Catechism of Pope Pius X, and then the the thought that kind of came from the because a lot a lot of these questions didn't come until the the post Reformation era because why would Thomas Aquinas, for example, although he does treat it briefly, why would Thomas Aquinas concern himself with those who are uh, in schism with the church and the children of those in schism with the church, which is where we're at now, as we are generations? Like, obviously, uh, I as a Catholic would say that the Protestant reformers are utterly damned and without a hope of salvation. Obviously, I would say that. But when it comes to those uh, five generations down the road, 
who didn't really schism from the church, but are children of that schism? That's a that's a much more difficult question. So these questions aren't really treated as much until you have that situation come to the forefront, which is after the Protestant Reformation. So you're going to get uh, you're you're going to get a lot of these questions being treated uh, from the 17th century to the 20th century when you're talking about the preconciliar church. So that if you want to look there, a lot of these sources aren't going to be in English. They're going to be harder to find, but uh, the Catechism of Pope Pius X treats the question. Um, and that, that's a good place to look at the, the general consensus. And then you can also look at some of the manuals that are in English. Um, for example, Hunter's Outlines of Dogmatic Theology which if you go on my website, christianbwagner.com slash shop, and you go all the way down to the bottom. I did reprint that because it is a good um, intermediate theological text, uh, polls, uh, manual theology, and such. So you, you can get, um, especially in poll, in, you can get the, the litany of opinions that came before him. Maybe I should do a, uh, a video or a, a blog post or something on that question because that is definitely a really good um, question needs to be treated with uh, treat, treated better in light of the great tradition rather than uh, just quoting Lumen Gentium and having a, a very bad um, a very bad uh, reading of Lumen Gentium how do you feel about uh, Nick Fuentes who do you find it hard to relate to most Christians I feel like I live a pious life, but I probably say things that a Christian shouldn't say because I find it funny. Um, <clears throat> I think the biggest, the biggest thing that us online, well, online community is great. It's great that a lot of us who have similar opinions and uh, similar takes, which are not the most popular are able to form a community outside of the bounds of physical time and space. That is something which is, which has been huge. So, I mean, online friends are great, but uh, a lot of it comes down to in-person relationships. So finding, basically finding a good parish and then sticking with it and doing a lot of activities with it. Uh, in-person relationships are huge. And a lot of people forget about it. For example, uh, I uh, went to an ordinary parish uh, the for the for the tritium you know, to be received, and it was great to be able to uh, sit down and talk with people my age interested in similar things and to have conversations and such. And I think that that can that can really help is the the face to face aspect of it. While it's certainly more difficult, it's definitely more rewarding uh, psychologically to have those in person relationships. While it's definitely the the world has made it a lot more difficult to, to have those in-person relationships. I think the future is all going to be in Catholic localism, that we're going to center ourselves around our parishes, that if it need, if you need to move to be closer to a parish, if you need to change, uh, I can talk, I promise. If you need to change jobs, if you need to do whatever in order to be close to your parish, to have your kids be able to frequently involve themselves in parish activities, to have yourself be able to frequently involve yourself in parish activities, not just going to mass on Sunday. 
then uh, that that is absolutely worth it. And that is what's going to hold together the fabric uh, one, once things get worse, because they're going to get worse. So I think that is going to be supremely important with the problems that, that you're bringing up about uh, having issues with relating to other Christians. Because community, uh, just like the liturgy, uh, this sounds very Vatican II of me, um, not that Vatican II is bad, but uh, community even more than the, the liturgy and, um, and and the the private devotional life is going to form you. In just it's just the the nature of us as social animals, living in living in a certain levels of society. When it comes to your parish and then the church Catholic and then uh, your your country and, and such like that, that society, that local society of your fellow parishioners, is going to form you, and you need to in order to live the Catholic life to be able to have them form you. That requires being a member of a good parish and then also being involved in that parish. Okay, have you read anything written by Bishop Nazar Ali? Um, now Father Nazar Ali, but uh, I, I haven't. Um, sad to say, I have not. Actually, I, I've read uh, introductions uh, that he's that he's done to books. Now that I think about it, do you think that Aquinas could have moved the needle to fix the schism if he hadn't died on his way to the council? I think uh, when, when you talk about second. Uh, Council of Leon. That obviously wouldn't have hurt to had both uh, Bonaventura and Aquinas there long term. And I think that also would have helped a lot when it came to future Dominican Franciscan relationships. If those two would have been able to hash it out a bit more, I think that would have helped a lot in the the uh, future uh, differences that you find within the schools. So, uh, yeah, I think he definitely would have been able to help out a lot because he was just an absolutely brilliant theological mind. And you see that in um, against the errors of the Greeks, while his patristic citations aren't the best there. And this was recognized by men like Bellarmine. Um, once you get to the, the humanist era of the church, people recognize that certain texts are fake, although it's uh, it's degenerate liberalism to say that Dionysius didn't write uh, his works. St. Dionysius didn't write his works, that St. Athanasius didn't write the Athanasian Creed. Absolute degeneracy. Uh, they definitely wrote it. So have you read anything from the new liturgical moment uh, movement? I have not. Is there a theology behind Western Renaissance art style art compared to iconography? Um, let me... I have... Uh, so... So when it comes to Western Renaissance style art, this is going to be something that is that is actually pointed out um, after the Renaissance era within some of the schools when they're discussing um, art itself, is that Renaissance art doesn't have the best theology behind it. Um, it's kind of philosophically neo-pagan, so it's, it's, it's not the best. Uh, but when it comes to Baroque art, for example, the Apotheosis of St. Thomas Aquinas, which I have, I keep back there, I'm right behind my head. So when it comes to Baroque art, there is certainly a Catholic theology that is being taught in Baroque era art. But um, 
yeah, that that's that's my favorite era of art is Baroque art. Um, I'm not as much of a fan of Renaissance era art, although I do have a Renaissance piece back there, which is the Disputation on the Holy Sacrament, because I really like it. <coughs> and that is one of the better pieces, because with the Renaissance, you're going to kind of get hit hit or miss. A lot of it is definitely uh, neo-pagan, but with the Baroque, it's usually going to be pretty good. How do you respond with the claim that the Assumption of Mary was not believed in the early centuries of the church? So I would, so there's, there's two ways you can deal with that. So basically this is, this is, um, you have the antecedent, which is the Assumption of Mary was not believed in the early centuries of the church. Then you have the, the consequent, which is going to be, therefore, um, therefore the Assumption of Mary is false. So there's there's two ways you can respond to that. First, you can deny a hidden premise that they have in order to reach that conclusion. So that hidden premise is going to be that something like that needs to be explicitly believed in the earliest centuries of the church, which um, if, if you read uh, as, as support for denying that thesis, if you read, uh, obviously, St. John Henry Newman's development of Christian doctrine, then the also the evolution of Catholic dogma and any of the 19th and 20th century writers that write more significantly on this issue of the development of doctrine, you're going to find that that necessarily is not a solid uh, premise to hold. And then second, we can distinguish the antecedent. So we can concede the fact that it wasn't a unanimous and explicit opinion, but we would deny the fact that there wasn't um, that there, there wasn't some authors who did theorize, some authors who did question, like uh, where did where did her body go, and, and and such like that, in the earliest centuries of the church. And if you if you get any good um, dogmatic theology on this point, they're going to um, list the the opinions of of those authors. But yeah, it's it's definitely not as clear cut as Catholic answers is going to make you think when it comes to the way in which um, dogma and history interact. This wasn't something which was like, okay, yeah, we have St. Clement writing his his homilies on the Assumption of Our Lady. We have St. Peter preaching about the Assumption of Our Lady. It's not, it's not that easy. As a fellow North Carolin Carolinian, I need to ask, do you like it better in North Carolina than in Maryland? Uh, in some aspects, yes. I mean, better weather. Um, I like the, I really do like the the area of, of Western North Carolina, although I don't live in Western North Carolina. It is a cool area. I like the, the Southern sort of way of um, doing things and the Southern attitude. I, I, I do like it. But I, uh, Maryland is my homeland, so I still love Maryland the best. For example, Christian Mario, he's probably too based for your average parish. Correct. What, um, uh, what is your opinion of David Bentley Hart? Don't like him at all as a person or as a theologian. Not at all. 
I wish Aquinas attended the council because his knowledge of the Byzantines kind of sucked. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't his fault. It's not that like Thomas was dumb or anything. He what he did have a good knowledge of what they could have known about the Byzantines. Let's just put it that way. Is there were a lot of forgeries, but what he could have known about them, he knew very very well. For example, he had access to a lot of St. John of Damascus's works, so he he does a very well a very good job of incorporating those. And this is something which had existed for quite some time at his point. For example, you'll get uh, Peter the Lombard. Um, he, in, in his sentences, he quotes uh, St. John of Damascus quite a lot. But I mean, it, it's it's like 13th century uh, Europe, so give him a break. They, they don't have a great knowledge of Greek there. They're, it is coming to bear at that point. Um, they, they just got Aristotle. It's it's not like they had a lot to, to work from. So I think um, we, we can't really fault him for that. <laughs> You've been Catholic for like two days and you think you can answer my question? JK, Christian, congratulations on being received into the church. I'm happy for you, King. God bless. Thank you, Massachusetts sucks. I have I have started to, uh, to get that now. Before I would get... Um, People, when they didn't like what I said, they would say like, oh, you just left Anglicanism X months ago. And then now I get, uh, I did get it once or twice. You just got received into the church X days ago, like blah, blah, blah. You can't be right. It's like, come on now. The Greeks took the filioque out of the creed based. I've heard, I have heard some people argue that, um, I'm not convinced of that thesis. I think it's a bit of a schizo thesis, but we have to recognize that where it's a bit of an anachronism to speak of the creed after the council of Nicaea, there were multiple versions of the creed, which were in use throughout the Christian world. So it is perhaps possible that one of them did actually have the filioque in it. The North Carolina versus North Macedonian conflict, 25th of January, 2026. Was realizing that Catholicism was true, the most humbling experience of your life. Yeah, uh, it, it makes you feel kind of dumb to have rejected it before. I still feel kind of dumb. Um, I, I definitely do. True, but that didn't stop the Byzantines from fetishizing Aquinas. That's true. Get trolled. The Byzantines, the Byzantines took Aquinas and used it because they recognized he was better. So I heard you live in North Carolina. If I may ask, what church do you attend? So the church that that I would like to attend most, but usually service times don't work, so I have to attend um, an SSPX parish, which is St. Anthony of Padua, uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in Charlotte. Um, that's where long-term, what in the world? Why is there music I'm just going to, it's super weird. Is somebody like calling me or something? Okay. Sorry. That was, that was a bit schizo right there. Oh, rat is calling me on discord. Nah, dude, I'm in literally in the middle of a live stream right now. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the long term when I, when my work schedule gets fixed and I'm not a night shift worker, then, um, St. Thomas Aquinas would, would be the parish that I attend. Max McNiff saw you at the vigil. Based. 
based. I had a few people said that they saw me at the vigil. It was a very based experience. So would you work for Catholic Answers? Um, yeah, but I don't think they would keep me on for long. Okay. The Orthodox have a clever name for Mr. Hart. Please do tell. See, I, I congratulations on your confirmation. Father gave you an audible slap at the peace be with you. Oh yeah, he he absolutely wailed me. I heard I even heard people laughing from how hard he hit me. That was that was absolutely great. Um definitely he told he told me afterwards that uh I need to get all my heresies slapped out of me. Um so so yes, my, my heresies were audibly slapped out of me at the Easter vigil. So Max is a is an eyewitness. So it was it was true. I promise you guys I actually did get received. I'm a real person. You know, most of most of like the 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 Boomer Nova Sordo parishes I go to, I've had like one or two people recognize me and come up to talk to me before. But I've had like a half a dozen people at the ordinary parish recognize me from online. So it's saying something. The ordinary it's uber based. Militant Thomist enjoyers all around. So how do you think Aquinas would have reacted to the Reformation and would he have debated Luther? I think the, the best example you get of how Aquinas would have reacted is just read Cajetan and his uh where is it? There it is. Cajetan responds a reader in Reformation controversy. It's pretty good. Um, I mean, I, it's not the best text because they don't translate some of them, and they actually just give synopsis, synopsi. I don't know what the plural of synopsis would be of some of them, so it's kind of annoying. But um, overall, it, it's a good resource to to have <coughs> because Cajetan was an amazing Thomist. No matter what the Nouvelle Theologie and uh, De Lubac will tell you. What do you think of Our Lady of Good Counsel in Jacksonville? It's an Anglican Catholic church, but seems sus. Our Lady, I've, I was not near Jacksonville, but I probably, probably could tell you what I think about it. Just uh, Jacksonville. North Carolina? What? Is it Jacksonville, North Carolina? What in the world? One Google review. Wonderful little community. That is a bit sus. Jacksonville, North Carolina. Visit website. Okay, good. Not found. Is it an ordinariate? Is it supposed to be an ordinary parish? Um, interesting. Okay. Ooh, blog spot. Okay. Father Juan. He is a... The church is a storefront. There's the... Oh, it's part of the continuum. What then? Why don't they have... You can't find out what... 
what um denomination they're in. Yeah, this is super sauce. Yeah, this is very, very sauce. There's whole blog posts. It's next to an Arby's, so. Huh. Yeah. This is a bit weird. You know, this is definitely some some uh some lore right here. Byzantine scope uh Thomism. I, I want more Byzantine Thomas text to be translated. I would love to love to read them. Christian B. Wagner, Rad Trad said of a contest confirmed. I actually jokingly referred to myself as a rad trad and somebody at uh somebody at St. Alred's where I got received was like, you're not a rad trad. You are not a rad trad, trust me. Okay. So yeah, the church does look like a like a chat. Uh, not a chat. Looks like a um shack. It is an ordinariate. Apparently the guy's just saying he's an ordinariate. Um apparently it's not real. Okay, so how does and I mean the worst worst case scenario, just just contact the ordinary and ask about it. Um, they're usually pretty respond. They've been pretty responsive to me when I've had questions like that. So, how does Aquinas explain the atonement? How is this different for Protestant views of the atonement? So, basically, uh, thinking about it in Aristotelian terms, um, with the atonement, um, there was a certain active potentia or virtue or as commonly called merit, although that the term takes a lot of meaning, so it's a bit difficult for us to understand. So just think it in terms of power. So Christ, by his incarnation, life, death, burial, and resurrection, uh, achieved a certain power when it comes, uh, according to his humanity, when it comes to the redemption of mankind. Um, so when it comes to the redemption of mankind, he now has after this a certain power, which is then applied to all men. So this power, uh, his, his merit, boom, applied to all men. But since uh, in order to receive a form, the matter needs to be well disposed. Some people in their rejection of the gospel, while, uh, while this power is applied to them, it does not... Um, it, it it does not it is not efficacious for them and because it is not efficacious for them they die in their sins but others uh god disposes to receive this merit being beamed at them so to so to think and uh by his grace, well disposed, and they receive the, the merit of Christ. So that's a kind of the Thomistic way of thinking about the atonement. I wrote a paper on this <coughs> in in dialogue with uh, some of the Reformed views of the atonement. Christian B. Wagner, ex-cringe prot with trans priestess, now Chad, SSPV, Benevacontus Radtrad. What's your opinion of Bishop Robert Barron? Uh, I haven't really watched much of his stuff. I mean, the stuff I've seen, he does he does kind of cool stuff. Um, but 
again, he's going to say some also equally cringe stuff. So I, I, I'm, I'm not going to speak bad of a successor of the apostles, but uh, I'll focus on the positive. He's done some, done some good stuff, but with obvious negatives. Have you read Contra Errores Grecorum by Aquinas, Half the Quotes of Forgeries? Yes, especially when it comes to the papacy. But his theological, what's important about that work is his theological reasoning, um, especially about the filioque, is unanswerable. What is merit in relation to soteriology and grace? <coughs> 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 See, guys, I'm dying out here. So, again, there's a there's a question in, in Cajetan about this that's really helpful. But broadly speaking, uh, merit is the – merit is a certain reward which comes from God for something which is done by man. Now – Merit isn't something which is from strict justice. So God is not bound because of how good our, our works are to, to uh, reward us for them. Rather, it is um, covenantal. So God has bound himself to graciously reward those works which we have done. And this is the same in uh, classical Protestantism. Is uh, If you read, for example, Bishop John Davenant in his, um, which work of that would it, would it be? It's his uh, probably volume two on justification. When when he talks about this issue, he quotes uh, St. Thomas Aquinas and a few of the medievals very positively when it comes to merit to say that he basically agrees with them. So it's the idea of uh, in Protestant words being like a covenantal merit um, where God has bound himself to graciously reward uh, our works in, in his covenant and not something which is um, done uh, because of any intrinsic goodness in us. What, uh, have you ever thought about becoming Eastern Orthodox during your conversion? Have you ever gone to a Byzantine divine liturgy? I did think about going Eastern Orthodox. Well, really Western Orthodox. We had a Western Orthodox parish like three minutes away from from my the parish I worked at. So I used to go there all the time for matins. Um, to just hear the chant, which was glorious. Um, so I was really lucky to have a Western Orthodox parish. And I did uh, meet with the priest a few times and talk with him. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, but uh, I, I eventually decided uh, against it for, for multiple reasons. Um, when it came to the filioque, the development of doctrine, um, the papacy, and, and, and such like that. Should I try to email the bishop of the Anglican Ordinariate? Uh, no, you should. You shouldn't try to email Bishop Lopes. Um, if you go on the Ordinariate website, there should be emails of multiple people, um, and and one of those you, you can go to. Uh, I'm trying to think of who would be best to email. Probably just email the secretary of the Ordinariate. Is there anyone you'd like to meet in real life? Copo, <laughs> Copo, because he's trapped over there in Eastern Europe. Yeah, I've met some some in real life uh, people. I mean, if you're if you're near Charlotte, or if you're um, 
let me let me think of other places I frequently go to. If you're near Hendersonville, um, if you're near uh, now Athens, oh, Athens, Georgia, I'll go there probably again eventually. I'll go there. I met some some good people there, so I'll probably go there again. Uh, if you're near Maryland, um, uh, especially Carroll County, that's where I, I go there frequently. So if you're near any of those locations and you just reach out to me, I'll, I'll, I'll meet in person, get coffee or something. I think that'd be fun. Aiken. Um, not the, not the best fan. Uh, he's made some pretty brutal errors, especially when it comes to, um, he, he definitely, I think his main problem is he definitely is solo Ecclesia is that basically whatever the, the magisterium says, that's what, that's what he, he's going to just stick to really hardcore, which uh, there's virtue behind that, obviously, but you do need to go a little bit deeper than that when it comes to, um, when it, when it comes to areas of theological reasoning and, and, and such like that. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to answer one more question. Copo. I'm not trapped in the Balkans. Y'all are trapped outside of the Balkans base. Okay. I uh, will answer. No Macedonian prayer reaction. Well, you know what? We'll do it. Uh, we'll have a chill stream on Sunday. And I'll do it then. Okay. I'm really, I'm really, uh, really. Let's see which which question do I want to answer. I'll answer this one. Why do you think your wife was so drawn to Catholicism? Uh, because she's more pious than me. So, be in my impious servitude to my sin and my own uh, prideful fancies. Rejected the clear light of the gospel, which is preached by Holy Mother Church. That is exactly why. It is because I thought I was smarter than I actually was. So. That's why I rejected um, what ought to have been clearly true for so long, and I'd been habituated uh, for for a few years um, with with false theological opinions. So that's really hard to un unlearn a lot of those things. So it took me a while to it took me a while to um, to undo those. But with with Lexi. Um, she, she hadn't really uh, read into a lot of that stuff. So once I kind of explained to her the general system of Catholic theology, which uh, we, we had a trip back to Maryland for Thanksgiving. So we had a 13-hour trip, and I spent most of the time explaining um, all this stuff to her that I'd been reading about. So I was a bit worried about telling her at first because I thought she would just um, wholesale reject it. But once I had explained it to her, she's like, oh, yeah, we should, we should become Catholic. I was like, oh, I'm not sure about that. I was kind of just... Uh, kind of just finding fair for talking while we were, while we were driving because 13 hour drive can be boring, but uh, yep. That is exactly why. So that's all I have for you. Um, you must bow to Bishop Susan. Yes. Uh, 
what, what do I normally tell you? I always forget. Uh, go to christianbwagner.com slash shop. Get yourself a based mug. I don't have my mug on my desk. I never do. Uh, go to patreon.com slash militatoman if you want to be a patron um, so I can quit my job and such. And um, uh, about to sneeze. Um, smash that like button. Thank you, Taste. I almost forgot about that. And subscribe, hit the notification bell, and I'm about to drink like a gallon of Dayquil. So, goodbye.